sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Hello and how's it? Welcome back to the show. This is Moving Needle Podcast. If you're new to the show, I'll be your host, Andrew Nietling. Thanks so much for downloading this episode. I hope you go back in the archives, check out some of the other episodes. This is a fascinating episode coming your way this week. It's with none other than Dr. Jason Richardson. We got in contact with each other after I dropped the Mike Day episode because he's a former pro BMXer. He raced alongside Mike Day for many years. He's a world champion and Pan Am gold medalist, but his real passion is psychology. So he has gone back to school. He's a full-time psychologist. He helps entrepreneurs, execs, past and current athletes. And, uh, you know, we dug into so many things. Confidence versus preparation. The challenges with retirement. Some of the things he helps his clients with. So guys, this is a wide-ranging conversation. Goes in all sorts of directions to do with mental fitness, mental health high performance, you name it. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Well, podcast is, yeah, I'm a little out of my depth here, I think. I'm going to say that getting in. I like to dig into the mental aspect. Uh, I've heard uh, phrases like mental fitness is maybe better than mental health. But there's a lot to do with performance that you can get out of yourself and sport. We all know that. Um, and I have been contacted by Jason Richardson, shall I say. Um, welcome to the show, and I'm so excited to get going, but um, how are we doing today? We're doing great, and thank you for having me. I I heard the Mike Day podcast, so I was stoked that there was a, a BMX guy on the show, and I traveled with Mike for a good bit of time, and he he's embarrassed me on the track a few times. Um Actually, one of those memories just popped up on Facebook. What, um, what is it? So it's a race in Orlando. And uh, I was at my best. Uh, whole shot at the main event. Was winning all the way to the last straight. And he just made me look stupid. Just walked. Walked. Not not raced by me. Walked right by me. And, and, and took the win. And that was, incidentally, that was his first win of that season. And that win was part of when he got the uh, national bicycle league, the NBL championship year. So I guess I was part of his title run, but anyways, um, but Mike was always, we'd always joke about that, how I would like lead him down the first straight. And he's like, I'll just pass you in the rhythm section later on. <laughs> <laughs> so you were so instrumental just, in helping with his confidence on the track. I guess. I, in, in, maybe helping inadvertently. Yeah, inadvertently, inadvertently. But uh, but anyways, I was I was happy to to hear him on the show and um, and when you got talking about you know career and the, the mental side of things, um, and and being on the out on the other side of this Olympic movement, not as a racer but as a psychologist and, and working with some of the athletes, I just said I'd like to have a conversation about that. Yeah, and I've worked with some mountain bikers as well, so. It's uh, I, I, I yeah, can't so dig, wait. Where, dig in. Where there's, yeah, where there's sports, there's a mental fitness that's needed. There's mental strength. There's pressures. And that I think they cross over into everyday life. And 
as you alluded to, you are a psychologist now by trade, among other things, commentating, which, you know, we say, share some synergies there. Um, I like to coach on the side. You're doing that as well. Um, but before we maybe jump into that, I mean, for the for the listener at home, the reason you are also able to deliver the expertise you do is a racing background, a professional sports background, a passion for for bikes, be it BMX, and you ride a bit of mountain bikes. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are mountain bikes, mountain bikers, but a lot of mountain bikers started on a BMX. I, we spoke about it with Mike, but in America, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, the um, yeah, I have an aside because I, I have I am always in amazement how a kid starts off in mountain biking and sticks with it, especially if you did it in the nineties or even because the bikes weren't that great. And it was a lot of pedaling and anyways, or BMX is so natural for a kid anyways, but I digress. So yeah, I raced BMX forever my whole life. Um, since I was maybe six. So we're talking 1980. I'm 47 now. Um, I, I like owning my age. So um, my brother was the fast one. He rode for Mongoose and Blue Max at the time. But then, um, yeah, he he stopped racing. Usually, usually there's a crossroads that people hit in America when they stop racing, and that's when they get their driver's license. And uh, they're old enough to get in the bar or chase women, probably too. Well, that's well, you can chase a women bit later. Yeah, but a bit yeah, later. but. Um, but, you know, there was a pretty decent punk rock scene in Las Vegas at the time. And he was, you know, in the band. He was in the scene. We'll just put it that way. And I think racing got a, he got a little bit burnt out on it. But um, but I never had what he had. Um, and and when he had it, it was good enough for both of us. But then when he left, I was like, hey, man, what what happened here? <laughs> so I. um I took up the mantle. My dad said, if you want to, if you want to race nationals, I need to see you practicing. I'm using air quotes. Uh, back then we didn't call it training. We call it practicing. So I'd ride my rollers and ride up this hill, which was not a hill, but it was a, it was a, it was a great, it was probably had like a maybe three or 4% grade. It was like a false, we'd call it, you would, you would call it a false flattened road. That's what it pretty yeah, much is. Yeah. But on a was BMX it on a bike, BMX? Because it only it was has on a one BMX gear bike. and it's, a, it's yeah. a tall gear. So it felt like up Yeah. And so, and so I would stay in my seat on the way up. And then coming down, I would take spots and, sp- you know, and spin it out, you know, every so often for overspeed. I didn't know that then, but that's what I was doing. Anyways, long story bearable. Um, I became fortunate enough to start making some main events, winning a few and then getting the sponsors and then. When it came time to go to college, um, I actually thought I was going to have to quit because everyone was telling me, oh, yeah, you, you, there's no real future in this. How are you going to go to college and race? And you need to get a job if you're in school. And then I got to school and um, I did get a job and I did not show up on my first day. Uh, and I decided to keep racing, actually. I was riding for Auburn at the time, which was a subsidiary of GT, one of the, you know, of the firm. And uh, they gave me five races that year because I was really, I turned pro in high school just to say I turned pro because I thought I was going to have to quit. And um, they gave me five races. And so I said, okay, well, let me turn, the goal is to turn double A before those five races are up because at least it's on their dime, not mine. 
Yeah. Um, and I was, I was able to turn double A. I actually turned myself up with one race left on my contract um, or my agreement. It wasn't really a contract. Uh, I had $300 left. You had at the time you had to make $2,000 and then you could turn into double A. And I said, knowing my luck, I'll probably something will happen and then I won't make it. So I'm just going to turn myself up. And I did. And I ended up making mains. I still got dropped. <laughs> Shout out to Todd Huffman, Auburn for keeping his boundaries strong as a good businessman got to respect that. Um, but he did say they'd support me. They just didn't have the budget. Um, anyways, but I used the money that summer. I said, dad, I'm going to stay in San Diego. I'm not going to go back to Vegas and work construction with you. <laughs> and I was going to live in my buddy's little, not even his apartment. He had like a little crawl space in the attic. I couldn't even stand up. If I, if I got on my knees, I could, I could, that was how I had to stand through there. And it well, had you're exposed. Not a, you're not a short human from what I I'm can six see foot. On yeah, I'm not a six yeah. foot. So I went through this cubby. I put a futon mattress in there. I got rope. I hung my my clothes in there and plastic bins for for the, you know, for the for the nether region, for the underwear and the socks. And I slept in there for the summer. And every every race I went to that I made money, I used that to go to the next race. And ended up having a great having a great year. And then all of a sudden it was it became this career i was making money and you know going to college and you know by the time i graduated college i was able to buy a house and live the life at that point and then at that point i was riding for giant so i went from auburn to tnt to giant so it's like a legitimate bicycle company with mountain bikes (laughs) so i got i got a taste of that i always thought mountain bikes were cool it's funny i had a mountain i got my first mountain bike was like was a haro it had an elevated stay. It had the, it was it was yellow, bright yellow, um, and at the time, because we're talking 90, 90, 91 or two. Um, anyways, it's, so I've always liked mountain bikes. I just, you know, but Giant gave me the the opportunity to actually have a decent one at the time, and John Tomac was on the team, and, um, and Rob Warner was for a little bit. So I was on Giant from ninety end of 95 through the end of 99. Um, so four years was a good run and then hit some, hit a dry spell, <laughs> graduated college in there, hit a dry spell. And when I say dry spell, I mean, sponsorship wise. Um, and then that's where life got interesting for me because, uh, sponsorship had dried up. I'm a homeowner. I'm a professional athlete. And, uh, yeah, I had to make some decisions. And and I was actually like almost going down the road of, you know, feeling sorry for myself and also feeling a bit entitled and also feeling depressed. Um, and then all of a sudden I just was, and I had worked with a sports psychologist on and uh, throughout my whole career, probably starting in 96. And, you know, lo and behold, I learned that it wasn't, I, was, I wasn't just learning how to perform well on the track. <laughs> so he was a great guy, uh, is a great guy, Dr. Jeff Warren. And, um, but it occurred to me that I was only working on the business of my sport and not the business of my life. And that's, that was when the pin dropped for me. And I was like, okay, sell the house, sold the house, made some money, 
bought one house, bought another house, sold that one house, lived in the smaller house, used the money from selling one house to go to the races. So now it's like, oh my gosh, I don't need racing to race. I don't necessarily need a sponsor to race. So that was super empowering and very freeing. And at that, and, and I was just, and, and so when you're empowered and when you feel free, guess what? You, you tend to be happier, right? Your lens, your lens goes from this cloudy, whatever, to those nice yellow lenses when it's raining out, it makes it look sunny, right? And uh, yeah, my career turned around. Um, and so I had this whole other career and, uh, you know, finished out pretty well, I think. <laughs> I probably skipped a few bunch, but I, I was kind of, Anyways, go ahead. I'm not, I don't want to take no, the show. but but um, no, no. This is this is your show. I'm just the host. But I mean, you already showed me twice that. I mean, what it takes, I think, to sometimes become a pro, or many times, is you bet your bottom dollar twice. Going to live in an attic. So you said, I'm not going to work. I'm going to literally pack up and stay in there. I'm betting everything on this career. You know, I'm going all in. And to do something at an elite level, sport, business. The guys do go all in, and that comes with consequences. Um, but at least you went all in and gave it gave it your shot because clearly it was a passion. But then again, when you bet on yourself and you said, you know, I've seen it in other industries. I think Chad Reed in motocross is famous for betting on himself. He bought an insurance policy that if he won the championship, it paid out like in a crazy amount, and he's formed his own team because he obviously believed he still had something to give. Um, and that is an empowering, empowering move. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And it gives a lot of context to going through the highs, the lows of sport, which is, it's such a roller coaster ride, even if you're at the top level, even if you become world champion, there's so many lows to, to deal with. And you mentioned sponsors. I've also been let go when I kind of felt, and on paper, I was riding the best I could or the best I had in my career, shall I say, you know? So, so that's tough when you, you feel you still got something to give and you've performed better than you ever have, but, the budgets just don't align or the marketing strategies change. That's a huge one to deal with. Yeah. And I can tell you the, when it, when it first, you know, so I, I look at my pro career as kind of two careers because when I first, so I was on giant and, and when I got on giant, I mean, it was just kind of magical, like all, you know, the stars aligned and, you know, I was getting a, a real paycheck, a real paycheck from a real company. Um, and I actually started to put put in a couple wins, a few wins, and I had a great season. And then something happened to me along the way. And I remember this um, clear as day. Like, I, I couldn't handle it. I could – this is pre-working with, with Dr. Warren, but I could not handle it. I, did, I thought I could, but I couldn't. Are you talking about the expectations and, and pressures of being on a real team? Yeah, I'm talking about not even being on a real team, but just I had become one of the guys who could go and win in Elite or Double A Pro. And I remember being at a race in Santa Clara, and it was we were at that we raced we raced three finals, and I was going into the third main, essentially leading points, and I I choked. Didn't get out of the gate that great. So I'm in the pack, riding kind of panicked because I'm trying to save my win. Um, Neil Wood crashes me. He liked to crash people. 
<laughs> um, and I ended up separating my shoulder. And I remember going back to the, you know, the pit and, and the, the, the guy that I was working with uh, from a training perspective, um, I just, I just started to cry. I just started to cry. And, and it was safe because I'm hurt and I didn't win. But the truth was I was crying because I couldn't handle the pressure of it. I was ready to kind of like, it, it was too much. It was too much. And, and that was when, like I deserved, I needed to get, I, I, I should have gotten dropped from Giant. Like they kept me, <laughs> they kept me a long time, four years, which was great. But honestly, like performance wise, you know, I was not performing to my potential for them. And I got, you know, I got caught up in trying to have an image and I got caught up in just kind of like doing everything I needed to do to kind of just get by versus like being Jason Richardson and dropping the hammer out of the gate and, and like really being the dude to like, to, you know, being the person who wants to be, you know, at the top of the points, being the person who wants to be, you know, going into the third main leading. I didn't, I didn't, I shied away from that. And I had glimpses because I always loved world championships and international events. And I, I took on the responsibility there, but so, so I got dropped, had this, I don't say epiphany, but it did a lot of personal work. It's like, okay, let, let's focus on the business of life. And then I said, all right, well, if I'm going to do this or keep doing this, and I had, a, at this point, I had a degree in, from college and I got my master's in business and it wasn't like I was knocking on doors to get a job. This was my, this was my work. This was my craft. This was my, my art. Um, so I remember I went, I started writing for a French team, um, B52, kind of random, but, um, and then one of the guys on the team was like, who are you working with? I'm like, no one. He's like, you want to start training? I'm like, oh. he's like, what do you do for training? And I just gave him some kind of answer that was very ignorant. <laughs> you know, I just do this. I just do that. You know, I know what I need, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and the next thing I know, I get home and he sends me a program and I started doing it and I hated it. The road bike part, at least. Um, but I just kept telling myself cause I'd spent enough time sitting in front of a TV as a pro athlete, again, using air quotes. And I just, and that was, that was whack. And I wasn't being fair to myself or my sponsors or the sport. And I just told myself on that road bike, like, Jason, you don't have shit else better to do. <laughs> like that was literally what I would tell myself. You have nothing else better to do because guess what? If I did, I'd be doing it in truth. And yeah. so, and I just started climbing that ladder again and started getting better. And then, you know, putting together a really good, so I got better in my career, like, you know, from, let's say 28 to like 32. I, I went to 34, but I mean, in my thirties, I was, that was great. It was, you know, I was strong. I was able to win. And, and not only that, but the difference, I mean, forget racing, but the difference was I wanted to win. I wanted to be like, I wanted to look at the points and see myself at the top. And that's a huge that's a game changer as an athlete because, because we, you know, you, you, there's this game we kind of play with ourselves sometimes where it's like, Oh yeah. You know, 
oh yeah, I'm going to this race, whatever it is, national championships, world, whatever race it is. Oh, I just want to do my best. I just want to go fast. I just want to ride well. I want to, it's like, you're at your level. You're probably going to do that anyway. Like, what do you really want? That's the, I mean, that's the delusion, isn't it? That's the delusion of trying to decrease the pressure that's on you. Cause you know, you know, deep down, if you've, that it, it is a game. I've spoken to a few people, worked with psychologists, mm-hmm. and this is great. I think we need to jump into the psychology part. Yeah, it's let's brilliant. go. While you are an athlete, and I've been one now, we can joke about it, and I can see that you, we can both be humble about getting smoked by guys that were better than us. Whether it was mm-hmm. physically or mentally, we can say, okay, we had some weaknesses there, and you spoke about that. But that delusion does happen where, you know, I'm just going to do my best. I'm just going to stay in the moment. And these are all good practices, fine. But it is kind of a delusion to go, yeah, you know, however I do, I'll be okay with it. Like we all know deep down you're not. Deep down that's like a deflection, isn't it? Yes, and that's the mixed signal. So the brain likes clear messaging. Yeah. The brain likes clear messaging. When you when you drive home from wherever you are, work or training, you can get there. And you will get there regardless if there's a detour, regardless if there's a wreck. You can get there without thinking about it because that is literally the end point, right? In the very micro kind of version. And, and when then, then we go to the world championships. You go to the national championships. You're racing a World Cup series. And it's like, I just want to <laughs> do and, – and by the way, I'm not saying you have to want to win. I get it. Maybe maybe you just want to be top 20. Maybe you just want to make the semifinal, maybe whatever your sport is. But be honest with yourself about what you want, right? Set, set the intention. I want to win this. I want top five. I want to be on the box. Great. Okay. Well, then, what will it take to get on the box? You know, <laughs> can we – you know, and let's reverse – yeah, let's reverse engineer this, okay? Because because yes, you riding your best will help, right? You feeling good will help, hope, hopefully. But all those things that you said you wanted will help. But if you're not honest about what you want, then when it comes down to the wire, the intensity isn't going to be there. Because I always say intention brings the intensity. And and the thing is, we're, we're, we're constantly working as athletes to try to like, I don't say avoid the pressure, but, but not have it get to us or, or avoid the pressure or not deal with the pressure or minimize the pressure. And it's more like, how about we just accept that it might be there anyway? Well, it's, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it's literally going to be there. And I was probably an athlete that preferred to qualify fifth than lost uh but i wasn't i wasn't doing it enough and i didn't get comfortable enough in that position because it took me a while to get into that realm of of riders right but a greg Minar, who you must know about which our listeners know a lot about he started performing from quite a young age so he got comfortable being lost down the hill all those things so i like what you said like for everyone to just accept that it's going to be there to try block it out, to try say, I'm not feeling nervous. I mean, that's a delusion. The brain knows you're nervous. Um, and, and you speak, speak to this more than, you me. know, when you're in a world cup final, there, there's, if you're, if you're human, you know, okay. Yeah. And you know how much it means to you and you know how much you want it. And I'm saying, own it. 
Yeah. I'm saying okay. own it because here's the truth. The truth is people are scared to own it because if it doesn't happen, they know they're going to be gutted. And so they try to minimize what they, they try to minimize what they want so that if it doesn't happen, it doesn't hurt as much, but guess what? It freaking still hurts. Yeah. I like that. Uh, that. It's that fear of failure. Like if I don't train a hundred percent, then when I don't do well, I just say, well, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I did. Yeah. It's like, a, it's, 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 like, a, it's called a, it's a doggy door. You know, like the little doggy door, door that your dog, it's a doggy door. It's, it's, it's an escape route, right? It's like an emotional escape route. But I've watched, and trust me, it's not like my career was like, oh, Jason Richardson won everything. Like I've, I've only won two big races, really. I have a few wins. I had a long career, but I really worked this through, <laughs> like worked it through, not only in my career, but other people. And I, I watched Greg, Greg Menard, and I listened to him, and I listened to um, um, Sam Willoughby, BMX champion, and Maris, and you know, and I know these people. I, I, I travel with a lot of them, at least especially on the BMX side. Um, and and they all wanted, you know, to use a sports term, they all wanted the ball in the last second. Yeah, they I love wanted to. They I've got they wanted that. to. Yeah. They wanted, and if there's one second to go, they wanted to be the one to take the shot. And guess what? Yeah, it does suck when you don't get what you want. But it always sucks when you don't get what you want. <laughs> I'm just saying be honest about it so that you can give yourself the best chance to get what you want. Because otherwise, if you're sending your brain these mixed signals, then when you go into that, you know, when you're going out of the, you know, when you're when you're going from the sun to the shade, into the woods, into the rock section, yeah, that's that's those per that mixed signal, that's gonna affect how you enter that rock section. That's going to affect what you do when it starts raining in the start house. That's what's going to affect like all that little, all those little doggy doors are going to start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to be a big freaking French door. That's going to be easy to walk through by the time you go down the hill. Yeah, man. No, geez, please. Well, I love that we're getting, getting into the psychology. That was the whole reason for the, for the call. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I would rather have been the athlete that, you know, I I look back and I go, to me personally, did I give 100%? I could have optimized more things, I definitely think, but I know I wasn't at the bar when I shouldn't have been, maybe one out of 100 times that I could have gone home a little bit earlier or it was in the off-season, right? Did I get, I always had coaches for my training, so I ticked all the boxes, so I can go at the end of my career, whether I won or lost, I did put 100% in. I have no regrets that, and, I, and sometimes I see athletes say they want to perform say they want to still win races say they still want to race world cup say on downhill but be honest but then you have to put the work in i'm like if you say you want to do that then surely you should commit because i think it's more regret losing a race after putting 100 percent in than not putting 100 percent in and then losing the race anyway so that's something that's tough to maybe pass on or are you seeing that now in, in post-career? Well, I, you know, being completely transparent and candid, I still have some of the bad habits that I let myself create early in my career creep in now. Okay. And those, well, yes. Okay. What would that be? Yeah. So, so it's cause it is, it's easy to get lazy. And I don't want to say lazy, in. but it's easy. To, it's easy to push something off. It, it, it's easy to 
rest on how good you are and let that be enough. It is. And, and I, I wasn't the guy um, who wanted the ball in the last second the whole time. And so I created this habit of avoidance. I created this habit of over-justifying it. I've created this habit of, you know, other ways I provide value to my sponsors. But, um, and, and there's, I guess you could argue all that, but I know in my heart, it's like, Jay, like you're, you're, you're paid, you're a good dude, but you're, you're also paid to just get down the first straight really fast in front of everyone else. Like that's the bottom line. And, 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 and it, it wasn't until I owned that. So now after, you know, kind of post career into this career, I remember just going, okay, psychologist. And I looked at it like, all right, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to be as good as a psychologist as I was a racer. Like I'm, if there's a world champion psychologist, I'm going to be that. Like, I don't know if there, I don't think there is, but that was my standard. And so it was actually quite not easy, but simple to get through school. When I interviewed for a job, like I, I, you know, I was laser focused. I can't, I mean, it was clear, like I was the choice if I was to get a job or whatever it might be. Um, and then just kind of ascend, which is what you probably did as an athlete. You, you just, you stood out for whatever reason you had that. I don't know that I don't want to say that it factor, but there was something, there was kind of like there's, there was a sparkle in your eye or maybe that kind of, you know, um, eye of the tiger to use a Rocky term, but there's a piece of that. But I remember along the well going back to your question so when you so when you're not being honest with yourself and you're kind of talking yourself out of winning or doing what you know you could be doing right and you know um generally speaking uh it it creates those bad habits right it creates a habit of invo- of avoidance it creates a habit of procrastination it creates a habit of making excuses and i know that sounds weird because we're talking like elite level but it's and you know i'm sure you have friends who are probably good as good as you maybe even better than you and for whatever reason they didn't make the cut right i'm sure you've gone home or you've been in some city and someone from back in the day who you probably barely recognize, like, oh, Andrew, da, 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 remember me? We used to – and you're like, you kind of maybe feel a little bad because you kind of remember them but not really. And then they kind of – you know, you kind of kind of do the – kind of do the – I don't want to say the, the glance, but you kind of just size it up and like, oh, wow, like looks like life might have hit them a bit harder or whatever. Um, or, or they just come to you and say, yeah, I should have stuck with it. I, you know, I could have blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's happened to me a lot. And, um, but even within, even within the elite level of racing, you know, there's still, there's still the haves and the have nots, right? There's, there's like the top 10, then there's the top 20, then there's the top whatever. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to this world cup. I hope I qualify through. Right. And there, and there's so much, from a skill standpoint, there's some similarities, but from a mental fortitude standpoint, from a belief standpoint, from an expectation standpoint, 
miles and miles of differences, right? And that's when you see, like, like Menar, one thing that I'm impressed with him, I think I went on a crazy tangent. I apologize. Um, no, please do. At, when point. I was talking about watching these guys, you know, like a Willoughby and Menar. I mean, Menar, he was, <laughs> he's finally his own age. Which is crazy. So, so he's like he's like the Celine, and and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's like the Celine Dion of mount of of cycling of mountain bikes. Dude, I can't like, wait so back, to use that. That's too good. No, because 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 he's so he was so mature at such a young age. Yes, yes. He was so mature, like racing I, mature. It was a ridiculous, like racing yeah. mature, and just I mean, I was listening to an interview. It was an old movie. It's like three second gaps, and I'm like. Who talks like that? Like, you know, I mean, fun guy. I'm not saying he's stiff. I mean, he's... he's no, he's not I'm, mature I'm, off the bike in the bar. Let me just tell you that for yeah. free. Well, good so for him. Let's just... We're just like isolated to the racing side. Yeah, but from... But, but you know, he said something very telling in that movie to me, right? Is because I think it was at the end and they're talking about going go-karting and how you, you better be on your shit because everybody, you know... But he said something like, He's like, this is supposed to be social. And the way he said it was like, oh, he has a switch. And he's very aware of the switch, right? Because he said that. Of course, everyone knows that go-karting with the bros is go-karting with the bros. It's social. But yeah, the, but but the way he really said though? it was like, where the way he said it was like, right. The way he said it, though, there was a clear line for him. And so if you just kind of sit back and watch him and how he performs, right? You watch him and then overlay that with how he performs. It's like, okay, well, yeah, he hits a switch. And, and I'd say, and I'm just, I'm totally j guessing. I haven't talked to him that um, he works his butt off still. He still loves it because otherwise he wouldn't do it. And he's motivated enough and healthy enough. But I would guess that, which is kind of unfair to everyone else that in some regards, it's actually a bit easier for him because <laughs> it's more it, right. Cause he has had the habit now, like you were saying of flipping the switch more times. And he's had the habit now of being in, well, any scenario and coming through. Yeah. I mean, think about how many past experiences he can draw on being at the top of the hill last or a world champ. So, okay, I need to make up five seconds from quality. I mean, I remember one of my first races just qualified in there as a junior in a world cup and I took 10 seconds off or whatever it is. And of course probably dried, but I mean, there were years later when I'm going to, dude, you need to make up 10 seconds. You you need to do that. And I would draw on those past experience, the good past experiences. And obviously scar tissue happens and you have some bad races. But yeah, I mean, I think Greg, like you say, he's got so much experience to draw on to to make himself, you know, feel comfortable in that uncomfortable situation. But I I do think uh he he's got that Jordan esque thing. He's got the Slater thing. I mean, if this sport was any more mainstream, he'd be talked to uh with the likes of a Jordan, with the likes of a freaking Kobe, a Slater. I mean, to be went downhill races at basically 40 years of age. There's one thing, like you said, to be physically fit, to stay motivated. No, but you're racing down a hill. And I promise you, as you know, the mind likes to take over with that. Hey, yeah. that, I'm going to hit the ground 
I'm going to the ground again. Like the, yeah. So for him to block that out mentally and, and perform in a, in a gnarly skill-based sport like that at that age, I almost put above a physical sport, you know? So anyway, I think that's great insight to Greg. And um, maybe it leads us to some of the questions we were spitballing about. So uh, a person like Greg, um, confidence versus preparation as as the subject line and, and go with it where you will. Because I've heard, and I've used it on the podcast, and I forget where I heard it, but I, it just it just sat with me. Confidence comes from demonstrated practice. I mean, you've got to, you've also got to, it's like you can't actually fake confidence. Oh yeah, I'm really going to win this race, but you've been on the couch the last week. So some guys have this crazy aura with self-confidence, self-belief. So can you just speak a bit to how you're now working with athletes to help them say with confidence, keep it, you know, and you may be using the preparation. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. You said confidence versus preparation. Um, because the one difference now versus back in the day when I raced is a lot of these men and women are training very well and very hard. A lot of them. And when I say a lot of them, I mean, if you're on the world cup circuit, pretty much in any sport, you, you're looking at this uh, scientifically and it's a formal program you're running, generally speaking. So, <laughs> so, if, so if everyone's doing the same thing, guess what? Everyone's kind of back to square one when it, you know, we're back with, you know, our 10 year old selves in the mirror going, Oh man, but his bike's better than mine. Oh man, he's really big. Oh man, she's got a cool, you know, whatever. So, so that's the interesting. So confidence versus preparation is, is an interesting take. I, like to split hairs and say confidence versus belief. And here's why. Because confidence is great, but it doesn't guarantee it doesn't guarantee the result. Because the truth the truth is when you're say a rookie and you're going to the first world cup and you get off the plane in Europe and there's that weird chocolate smoky smell in the airport that you smell in Europe, right? The croissants and smokes like what? And you're discombobulated and it's, and then, you know, and then you leave the city and then you go out into the mountains and then nothing's open. And then, right. So everything's, this is an American point of view, right? Everything's off. No, I got, I got that. I got that much. Yeah. And then, and, the, and you know, you take the shower and it's like, you know, there's the handle and it, there's no curtain. And so the water's getting everywhere and it's, the water's not even hot. So all this stuff is just like messing with how you roll normally, right? Um, and by the way, it's your first race. <laughs> you know, you, all these people that you've seen or possibly looked up to. So humans, generally speaking, will not be that confident in that situation, right? The, the, all those things are, I'm not going to say working against you, but they're not helping you, right? And they're going to play with how you might feel into that situation. And so I like confidence, but it's not a prerequisite for success because the truth is you can feel a multitude of things and still perform well. You can be sick within a given range and perform well. You can be nervous and perform well. You can be scared and perform well. It's, it's the management. All right. We had some technical difficulties, but we were talking about the confidence versus preparation, which I brought up, which I kind of. I'm on the same page 
where I don't believe in the confidence as sort of a pillar to your success. I like to use confidence or belief through your preparation, through your process. So talk more about yeah, your understanding of it and, and what you like to teach your, mm-hmm. your students, say, at this first race or when you're not feeling yourself or not feeling confident. Yeah, so... So it's, yeah, it's, it's that it's not needed because I think what happens is as a, as a, uh, high level performer, you get really rigid in your ways and you get really rigid in how you think you need to be, to do whatever it is you want to do. I must be X to get Y. I must get, I must be Y to get Z or Z, excuse me. Um, so I think that rigidity ends up biting us in the ass in the long run. Because if you need to be confident to do well and you're human and you do show up to race and you're not confident, maybe you were just sick. Maybe, maybe you are going through a breakup. Maybe your dog just died. Um, it still doesn't change the fact that the race is still happening. It still doesn't change the fact that you're still talented enough to be there. It still doesn't change the fact that the clock is going to tick. <laughs> you know, the, the game doesn't care how you feel, but that's a good thing, right? You can feel any kind of way, mad, sad, nervous, and still do well. The question is, the, the trick is, how can you channel that energy or compartmentalize it enough to go do your task, right? And then what we try to do is work backwards right from remember when i talked about what they being honest about what you want and working backwards to where we can find literally one maybe two things to focus on that that weekend or that race week and it might change as the days go by cuz stuff comes up and you're practicing and you're evolving and you're learning the track and you know life is still happening as well while you're in the special time capsule called race week <laughs> but um but for the most part simplifying it down to a couple things for you the athlete to focus on that will allow you to do all those things that you have prepared and are trained to do so that you can put it in automatic and just so so what does that look like for you i'm hearing processes and you know you've got the goal of where you maybe want to be and you understand there's going to be pressure so is that something that you like your athletes to stick to a routine like Guide us through something you feel it might be a bit broad. Every athlete's different. Every athlete needs maybe a different mood. Yeah, so I'm big on ritual. Yeah, so I say ritual over routine um, because I think meaning, I think meaning has, when, when something has meaning for us, um, we tend to do it. It tends to be a priority um, and it tends to bring about a bit more intensity. I'm not saying manufacture. I'm not saying like over dramatize it here. <laughs> uh, my head's not in the clouds on this, but, but when something, if you're honest about what you want and it has some meaning to you, then it's, it's that much easier for you to engage with that process, whatever that process is. And so there, so before a race week um, or before, you know, we leave to a race, we, we, we literally just work, backwards from that um from what you want to the goals to the expectations to the focus right so it's it's called it's literally how i teach people how to step up so we start with what you want 
and it and when I say what you want, it's like if you close, if you get what you want, it's like when you close your eyes to put your head on the pillow, life is all that you thought it would be, kind of what you want. That's setting the intention. And then the then we go to the goals. Now the goals, most people say, oh, but what I want is my goal. And for the most part, yes. However, I like to look at goals as the things, the stepping stones on the way to get what to get what you want. Right. So these are the markers, whether it's a time, whether it's a, whether it's a how you're riding the track, whether it's a um, a line that you're doing, whether it's um, you know it's it's but it's still at it's it's on the path, right? It's qualifying to get to the final. It's being named to the Olympic team. It's getting to the um, Olympic trials. That would be a goal to get what you want, if what you want is Olympics or gold medal. By the way, the goal and the want, those are external. Then we go to expectations. Now we're going internal. Expectations are things that you, the athlete, can do that are within 80 to 90% of your control. Things that you can do that are within 80 to 90% of your control. Those are the expectations. You can control your recovery mostly. You can re- control food, nutrition, when you eat, or at least the fact that you don't control whether there's a restaurant open, but you can control if you have some food in your bag <laughs> for when you do wake up at 3 a.m. in the middle and you're hungry because you haven't eaten. Um, your hydration, you could control <clears throat> your warm up, your cool down, all that stuff. Even your even your entertainment and your healthy distractions, like you're reading your book or your journaling or meditation or all that stuff. You can control those expectations. You can control, um, you know, how you want to approach practice or training at the event. All of that. Those are the expectations. Okay, and then from there is the focus. Okay, so what's the focus? Right, the focus is going to allow you to meet your expectations. So you can either, and usually there's a whole list of expectations, things that you can do within your control. You can take one or two things from there and focus on those. And usually we'll create a trigger word or some kind of like mnemonic, but um, one or two things from that expectation list and those are the, and that's the focus. And that will allow you to meet your expectations. Meeting your expectations will allow you to hit your goals. Hitting your goals will give you the best chance of getting what you want. That's how it works. And it's different for everyone. So for instance, with BMX, I mean, sometimes I'd spend the whole weekend saying, go on red, you know, because we have the lights on the gate. Go on red, go on red, go on red. (laughs) Having worked through the whole thing, but my focus was go on red. Or Or maybe my gate starts weren't that great that weekend. And so it's like, okay, get through the pro section, get through the pro section, which is the third straight. But in order for me to get through the pro section, guess what? I'm going to have to come out of the gate. Okay. I'm going to have to ride the track to get to the pro section to get through it. So, but those are all things that I, I know how to do naturally without overthinking it. The focus is just something that kind of grounds you and keeps you settled enough. Right. And notice I'm not talking about calming down. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm not talking about anxiety. It's like, one thing, go on red, you know, maybe downhill. It's like exit fast out of corners, <laughs> whatever, like, like whatever it is, you know, two pedals out of each corner. 
um, you know, what keep, you know, eyes up, eyes up, you know, like whatever it is when you're riding a course, you know, um, just something that will allow you to be grounded and steady. We have a lot of other tricks, but, but that's all based off what you want. The belief part, that's, that's interesting because there is, I believe there is a belief with, with a high performer. I think, I think even though that person may not be confident or even, even, I mean, there's a reason you're there. There's something inside of you that said or had an idea that this might happen or that I think this might be possible, right? There's at least, at the very least, a curiosity, you know, it's not like you just kind of were born and then you just stumbled across this bike and you find yourself at a freaking world cup. Like (laughs) at some point, you cross the threshold and 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 something that wasn't possible for most is somehow possible for you and that's what I, and that's what i like to tap into is that is that belief cuz all the other stuff is 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 bullshit really like like all the kind of the fear talk and and the and the you know those doggy doors making excuses i just want to do my best like hey, of course you do like everyone in life wants to do their best the question is what are you here for? Right. And, and if you want to actually win the race, okay, well, let's go for that. If you want to get on the podium, let's go for that. But there is a belief there because you wouldn't, you wouldn't want the things you want. And I'm talking like in your heart and in your gut, you wouldn't want those things if there wasn't some kind of belief that it was either possible or that you could do it. And that's, that's the, that's the prerequisite for me is the belief. Right. And you may not always have it in yourself. I get that. We can build that. But the fact that you even think it's possible, that is huge. And I tell you, as a psychologist, as a clinical psychologist, I work with I've worked with a lot of people who they don't even there's not there's not even that there. And that's sad. Right. It's not possible for me to get an education. That's sad. It's not possible for me to freaking eat three meals a day. That's sad. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and not only that, that is, that is their reality, right? They have evidence to show that. Right. And so one of my questions I ask, which is, um, I'm going to save that. But one of my questions I ask is how many wins did you get before you got your first win? I was a okay zero, but I was going to ask it another way. Like if if you're at a world level, you didn't get there by always air quotes choking. I don't really you know whether you like the word or not. But I almost had to remind myself, or someone might have to remind someone if they don't have the belief. But you got here because you are really talented on a bike, and because you work and you've won races along the way. So you 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 do belong here, and some people struggle with that self belief. So I understand why you differentiate it from confidence. And sometimes you need that to be built up. You need someone in your corner like you um, just to, to remind them of the facts, to remind them of the controllables that you can focus on. And geez, a, a key factor is coming up. I might be going off topic, but I mean, you've got to, you've got to pre- prepare yourself that you could fail because sport at the highest level is almost mostly failure. If you say, I want to win a race, I want to win races. I mean, there's been a few guys that have gone on runs, but other than that, even Greg Menard has has failed a lot along the way. 
And if you're a top 10 guy, you've failed along the way, but you've also qualified pretty well and, and done a great race, but you might have just been beaten by an uncontrollable, someone else's talent level that day or mental strength that day. That's, that's the threshold. And you've, the thing is you've crossed it already because if you race a bike <laughs> at an elite level, you've already said probably, I don't know, at certain points in your life when you were 10 and then maybe 15 and then maybe 20, <laughs> in Greg Menard's case, 36. Um, but you've probably said, this is worth it. Right. And and as soon as you say this is worth it, that's kind of an acceptance that like, <laughs> right, worth it. What does that mean? Worth it. Well, because the consequences are, are these things, right? Crashing or injury or maybe not going to school or maybe foregoing a career at that point. Right. There's opportunity cost to everything we do. Right. And you, you by you saying this is worth it, you've crossed that threshold. My son, he's taken up skateboarding. And, you know, I look at the failure rate, most kids who skate in a skate park of just whatever trick, and it's just, they never complete their tricks. At least that's what it looks like, right? Unless you're watching YouTube, then everyone's great. But, and, and it's dangerous. You can get hurt. But at some point, they've said, maybe not consciously, but they said, this is worth it, right? You, you've come to a point where you've accepted the fact that this could happen. The difference is, it's just worth it to complete this thing. It's worth it to see this thing through. And when it's not, well, then that's another conversation. And by the way, it's okay to put down the sword and it's okay to become an influencer and it's okay to, to not want to race anymore. I get that. But, but that's, that's the deal. And, and the, the thing is, but if you, if you BS yourself into thinking, if you go into it naively, right? Um, Cause naivety only works for a little bit, but if it, if you're honest about about it, and you can like really be, res I love saying being responsible to what you want. If you can really be responsible to what you want, then then your odds just shoot up immensely. And by the way, I say that as a as a dad too, right? Like I'm not racing for a living anymore, but I still want great things for my family and for my kids. And, you know, the stakes are high, right? Their happiness, their health, their life, regardless of what sport or what school or whatever that is, right? So, okay, well, if, if I, it's on me to, to help provide that, right? My, my wife and I, well, guess what? I better freaking accept that, right? Because now it's like, all right, so when I walk out this door, every step I make is going to count. And that's what we want <laughs> when you're walking out the chalet in Leger, you know, about to head onto the lift. You want every step to count. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. And I'm definitely going to ask a little bit later for some sort of help with someone that's maybe not an elite athlete that decided to pursue a career or, you know, that said, you know, it's not worth it, but I have a talent in, in other areas. And I think you can learn a lot mm -hmm. from pro athletes. Uh, and I want to hear what that is. But you, you spoke about it's okay to hang up the boots. And, and I agree with that. I think some people have a lot of talent that 
some people wish they had that much talent and because they've got the work ethic, but they didn't want to pursue it anymore. And that's okay. And maybe you can speak to one of the big topics why we got on the call is say mm-hmm. retirement, when you know you're ready and, and things you've seen post-retirement because I don't think there's a lot of support structure at all for retired athletes. No. Uh, you kind of build this one skill set. You barely are a, a well-rounded human sometimes because you've gone so into one thing and you've been given a lot and you put on a pedestal. So maybe, you know, go with it where you will yeah. when we talk retirement, when when it's time and what that process can and maybe right. could look like. So I will preface this by saying um, it's, I'm a psychologist. So th- there are numbers on, you know, out of any given population, there is going to be a certain amount of people with, you know, a, a, a predisposition for depression or anxiety or whatever. And then on top of that, there are personality traits um, that, that, that can, I don't want to say drive that predisposition, but there are personality traits that we have that unfortunately some people aren't as resilient as others. So I'll just preface it with that. Um, but what I noticed um, with this skill set, <laughs> this driving yourself into this one skill set is that, um, you know, I was listening to Mick Hanna just the other day. Um, and he said something really, really like showed how grounded he was because he just retired. And he said something about, you know, I had, I had 20 years racing world cups. He goes, but even if I just had one, I could say I did it. And that is a super, super healthy perspective. Right. Cause he, cause, cause what he did was he owned his path. Right. And I think a lot of us, we, we, we live our life for other people, or we walk this path because we think that's what others might expect of us. Um, and by the way, that has, that's not has nothing to do with sports. I mean, I've seen it. I, I mean, there's plenty of rich kids who walked into my office like, yeah, my dad wants me to be a lawyer, but I'm, you know, I want to play music. It's like, dude, that, that sucks for you. Like I can see how that's a, that's a quandary and I'm not trying to, you know, every, Everyone has their own kind of version of it. But if you devote yourself to sport and it's cut short or if it's just going to end, you know, my thing is like, let's make this mean something. Not just not just while we're in it, but so that you have this wonderful platform to launch into something else. And I think what happens is um we get rigid as athletes or we we identify as that's all we are i'm just a mountain biker i'm just a footballer i'm just a bmxer and so that starts breeding a belief that's limiting oddly enough right if that's all you are if 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 that's all you are then how how can you become anything else or maybe you can, but it's going to be that much harder to climb that mountain, right? It's not. It's it, and my thing is like I'm I'm a big thing. I'm a big stickler with words. It's like how about because you're a high level mountain biker, right? You can do 
property investment, just kind of, right? I know they're, I know they're, it's a non sequitur. They're not related. But the point is because I know how to get to the top, I can survive or excel in other areas. Because I see things from a different vantage point, when I get into banking, I can have an advantage, right? So it's shifting your perspective on the facts, right? We're not changing what happened in your life, but it's shifting your perspective on that. You're, you're not just a mountain biker, but you weren't just a mountain biker before you became a mountain biker. Andrew, there was, there was something that made you you that allowed you to excel on this sport and you just happen to love it and be passionate about it. And I'm sorry if things, you might not find anything that's that meaningful. However, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you can't draw from that thing and use it to propel yourself in other areas. That's, that's brilliant and uh, it leads me to, is it even healthy to identify as a mountain biker? And the reason I ask is I read a book I don't know if you've come across Ryan Holiday's work and uh, he's, he's really diving into like stoicism and uh, which is a lot about what you can control and, and, and I'll butcher the rest so I won't even go on. But um, reading that book and ego is the enemy and, and how your self-belief and the ego and yourself can help you get to a certain level, especially as an athlete, that air of confidence that we see, that it factor, the Michael Jordan but if you feel like your shit doesn't stink and you keep not working at it, you will get to the top of the mountain and you'll quickly fall off. Your Lance Armstrongs, a lot of presidents have come unstuck because of the ego. But it made me start thinking that I am not a mountain biker. I happen to do that for a career. I happen to have that skill set. But like you said, should I not have thought about it? Oh, it's because I'm dedicated, because I can stick to one thing, because I can have delayed gratification and not piss it up the night before the race and wait till afterwards. So am I on the right train saying it's maybe dangerous by using the word, like you say, not using it correctly? Because if you identify as a mountain biker, when that career ends, now what, you're dead? Like you're not anything? Like you're a person, you might be a boyfriend, you might be a son, you know. And and I think us athletes aren't taught to realize that you're not actually your sport, if that makes sense. It goes back to like one of the most simple sayings is, you know, I am bigger than my problems. You know, you are okay. and you're not at the same time, but, but there is this. Um... So I asked the question. Do you want to protect your ego or do you want to be happy? And I understand. It's an easy question for me, even though it's a well, challenge. Well, but I think uh, but it, it's an easy question to answer because, you know, but if you really dig in, it's like, well, wait, you know, how many things are you doing that are to protect your ego um, as a human? Because we because we have this kind of who we think we are <laughs> built up in our head and, and what others and what others might think of us. But the thing is you, you are, you are, um, you have these, all these aspects to you, right? Every person is a package. 
<laughs> your your significant other can tell you you are a package. Trust me. <laughs> My wife will tell me I really like these things about you, but these couple of things are I don't know. So you know because <laughs> you're a package, and so I think I think you are a mountain biker too. <laughs> you or you, I am also okay. a mountain okay. biker. See what I'm saying? I am all, and it's funny because this just came up last night. I picked my son up from tennis, um, his coach, and then he, the coach, turned to me and said, "Hey, yeah, Grayson, uh, Grayson tells me you're a mountain biker." And I actually stopped in my tracks. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, because because I still have like this BMX guy thing story in my head because I am it's it was a part of my life forever it still is there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about BMX in some regard period right but I actually had this I actually paused because he kind of hit me in the face like it was a little punch like because it's like whoa and and I actually said yeah I am I'm a mountain biker too and I was proud I was proud, but it's like, yeah, like even because those habits, right? We get ingrained in those beliefs, <laughs> those habits, but, um, but it's recognizing that, that you can bring that person into other aspects, right? <clears throat> the mountain biker can be a badass entrepreneur, right? The mountain biker or the BMXer can be a great dad and lawyer for crying out loud, Chris Powell, right? So so, so the correct, correct, right? And 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 you want and you want the mountain biker to say to pull your ass out of the window. See what I'm saying? You want him to pull you out of the window. You want you want the mountain biker, right, to be your medical doctor when you go in after an injury from getting hurt. Melissa Buell. See what I'm saying? So these you you can you have the opportunity to bring who you are wherever it is you want to go, right? The question is, where do you want to go? And I think a lot of athletes get stuck on that. Amen. I was going to say, so you've given some guidance if someone might know where they want to go or they have enough resilience to know that they're going to bash their head and find something. That's probably me throwing a lot to the wall, trying to figure out what, I haven't quite find that single passion, I'll be honest, and we can do a bit of uh, maybe you, you know you can play your psychology role here with me, but we'll maybe play that. So what about the guy that can't find his thing? And I have some theory, and maybe it's the new school thinking of of everyone's comparing and and on social media and all these entrepreneurs that suddenly have hit it big, but they failed to see the 20 years of work and failures and shit that they went through. And another psychologist said, you know, go out and do something. Go out and help someone. And and I often think that if I wasn't good at bikes or rode enough to become good or someone told me I was good, I might not have been passionate about it. I don't know. People seem to like what they're good at. But, yeah, help us with like how do you find that next thing or or these challenges that you see with retired athletes that are struggling to find that and how well, you sort of I think part of the reason why it's step. hard to find something else is because you think you think you know that whatever else you find is never gonna be as good as this was or is. I mean that's that's the ugly truth. 
Um, if you're stuck, yeah, in that but but, and, but here's the thing, it might not be. Like I, like yeah, yeah it might honest. not be. It, it can it, be pretty good, like Mike said. It's fucking yeah, good lifestyle. Yeah, but I tell you what, man. And tr- I mean, I there's a t- certain times a year, usually World Championships, usually ABA Grand Nationals, or excuse me, USA BMX Grand, um, where yeah, I, I miss being on the gate, and I miss, you know, all of that. But damn, I'm sure glad I got to experience it, right? And 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 by the way, like, not mo- I mean, most people, okay. I'm just this is like an athlete conversation right here. Most people they get nervous for their wedding and their graduation, bro. Or maybe or maybe the the, the one or two times they have to give a speech. That's like their life. Straight up. And we, right? A person like you, a person like me, a person like Mike Day. Dude. <laughs> like world stage, eyes on you. TV camera, sponsors, people flying you places, giving you free shit. Like that is normal for a a period of time. And it's like that experience, like do do you really expect that to last forever? I mean, Brian Lopes is stringing it out pretty good. God bless him. But do you really expect that to last forever? Like it kind of, it kind of, it's just not sustainable. But, and I'm not saying this to like talk bad about the person who only gets nervous on their graduation and wedding. Cause I, I wasn't too particularly nervous those, those times. But if you, from a perspective standpoint, um, you, you want to recognize how you want to recognize that it is special and that it is normal for you and that it will pass and that's okay. And what, and then to bring in the piece about the ego and the piece is when, when you need that to feel special, then we have a problem, right? When you need the free, whatever, when you need the adulation or the attention because of whatever, to feel special, then that's the problem. And and so But that can be related to business and, and normal life as well. Like if you need the fancy car to feel successful to then be happy. We all we all distract ourselves. Um yeah, hundred percent. The thing is like if you when you transition out of this, um you wanna do something that I think that suits your personality and your strengths, obviously, but you also want to recognize that that was that time and it was special. Right. And so what can I do with the rest of my time to make that special? Not as special as, but special in its own way. And so it's pretty interesting. I, and by the way, like it wasn't like, Oh, I went to college and then I, and I did, I went to college and, by the time I, it was a pretty smooth transition as far as my last race to getting a job, to creating my own business and all that stuff was, seems smooth. But within that, oh my gosh, man, there was so much, 
um, not doubt, but it was just so much, it was, I became painfully aware of how much I had given up because of I had raced so long. And if I let that get to me, right. Cause all of a sudden, you know, I'm 35 and you know, it was one thing when I was 25 and 30 and I had my own house and my own this, but by that time, you know, my peers who had went to school, they were actually either they were owning a company or they were pretty high up in a company or they were, you know, they had people screening their calls for them, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I'm just starting out, right. I'm, I'm becoming an intern or I'm becoming a, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm new again. I'm not even a rookie pro. I'm still an amateur. So, yeah, you're at the bottom of the totem pole again, for sure. And that's humbling. That's a humbling experience as well, even if you find your passion. And it went, and, and nothing and nothing will compare. And I was decent at it. And like I said, I was able to go in with the eye of the tiger and get the job and be the right person for the job and, and, and move up pretty, pretty quickly, I guess, in my profession. But um, none of it felt like walking up behind the hill for a semi at the world championships. That's for sure. None of it felt like that until years later, right? Where now finally, so I finished racing in 2008 and it's 2021, almost 2022. And I'd say probably the last probably three years, it's like, okay, I started to get that feeling again, but man, I had to put in the, I guess I did. I had to train. I had to put in the effort, right? So when I go, when I'm hired and they're like, hey, Jason, we want you to come speak for the National Congress of whatever or this seminar, or this whatever. And I'm, and I'm like, okay. And I get that, you know, and, I, and someone's paying me to get on the plane to go do my thing. That's that feeling again, right? When I'm going to go commentate, that's that feeling again. But it took a while. Like it wasn't just here, right? I had to... Um, no, I didn't have to because it was a choice. It was incumbent upon me, right? It was on me to train myself. It was on me to earn my wares in this new arena, right? So that I could be in a position to where someone would actually say, yeah, Jay, we actually want to pay you to come talk to us for 45 minutes or to train us for whatever it is for this seminar or to talk about these, you know, to call the action at the races. I had to put in. And by the way, it's only fair that you put in and that feeling came back. But if that, if I never got that feeling, which I'm super fortunate, I do get that feeling, which by the way, is still only like 80 to 85% of the feeling I have when I was racing. But if I never got that feeling, like McKenna said, I was able to say that I had it right. And my, and that, and that's my purpose for not just working with athletes, but working with people and why I got into psychology is because I want people to have that feeling. I want people to have that, those moments and they're fleeting, but I want them to have those moments where they put their head on their pillow and all is good in their world. And it's because of seeing something through and it's because they put their heart and soul and mind into a thing and it actually happened. That's what I want for people. Um, anyways, I kind of got off on a tangent, but, but that's the transition because one thing you don't want, if you want to be scared and I don't, I don't use like to use fear tactics, but if you want to be scared athletes, you don't want to be the old grumpy pro. You don't want to be the old grumpy pro. And it's easy to fall into that. It's easy to fall into that old grumpy pro. Even, well, it's, 
it's so daunting to to hang it up because okay well where's the next paycheck going to come from what am i going to do there's so many of these questions the passion what are you going to do and and uh you you doctor me a little bit i mean when people ask me how's it been or why did you retire i mean i i'm yeah, starting a podcast like this and and having you on you can see like i like to think things through sometimes too much but i mean i had to give it a lot of thought there was gut there was monetary i weighed it all up and it almost was like the universe was telling me the time has come you know i couldn't quite get the contract i wanted was i going to invest my own money into another year or two at 32 years of age when I might not get another big contract again. So financially, the risk reward didn't line up. Um, and I'd had 14 years in downhill. Pretty good going, if you ask me, in a, in a young man's sport. So whether it's ego or not, I felt I had a pretty good go. I, I felt grateful for it. I might have achieved more than I ever dreamt of as a kid. But then obviously, once you start performing, then you up those goals very quickly. Um, so I don't have a lot of regrets, but I'm lucky, right? So I stepped away. Do you miss it? In the beginning, you miss it. Like you say, you watch Worlds, and you're like, man, I could, like Mike said, you're like, but the guys you could beat or you knew you would probably beat if you just trained a bit, that's tough. That's an ego thing. But now I've stepped away long enough. It's still, everyone can look from the side. Okay, you got this going on and this, but I took a risk, start a podcast, put all this work in. No one sees the day. <laughs> like you laughed at me the technical difficulty means it's probably a few hours of editing cool and and who knows where the podcast goes but what i was getting at is it's been the biggest challenge of my life is stepping away even though i've got lots of fires or you know things in the fire i still get paid by sponsors i'm super grateful i, I try practice gratitude on that level but it is so hard mentally. And people say, but you've got it good now. 100%. However, that feeling I used to have that got me up in the morning, it's a bit different. I focus it on different levels. But there's a lot of bullshit I deal with now that I don't want to do because I'm, what, entitled. I should still be flown to every event and there should be a, a masseuse there for me. And why is no one cooking me a meal? That's just like the entitlement that comes. And what I'm getting at is, is it's like it, it can be one of the biggest challenges you go through, retiring or being forced to, maybe early from an injury. And I don't know if you watched the weight of gold that Michael Phelps helped produce. And you and I've listened to Sean White, and it makes sense. Because then you get home, even if you did win the gold, and you might have to mow the lawn. Or you might have to cook dinner on, on your own and go, is this life now? Yeah. So a couple things on, oh, several things, and I'm, I'm glad you opened that up. Um, <laughs> you said a lot there, so that's, no, yeah, it's okay. Well, I appreciate I'm, I'm it. I appreciate it. So if we're going with your transition, the thing is, what I heard was, making peace right it's kind of like no it's not kind of like it's making peace with your past um and honestly that's therapy <laughs> I, mean, I mean 
whether it was a great, brilliant past or a traumatic one, right? It's about can you find a way to have that story mean something and not only just mean something, but but be of service and of value to yourself and others moving forward, right? There are in life going to be bitter, sweet, big ass horse pills you have to swallow. I don't, I wish I could like that. Nobody gets around that. Nobody gets around that. That pre, pre so, preach, man. But the thing is, if you can make peace with your past, you now have more control over your future because you're not living in your past, right? You can be here mm. and you can do this podcast. And yeah, it might not be as good as blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it might not. Yeah, it might. No, I'm saying as good as flying on a plane or whatever. But my point is, but my point is though, you you've given yourself the freedom to 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 put in the effort. You've given yourself the freedom to to fall flat on your face. By the way, you're still eating. You still have food on clothes on your back. You're still like living in. I'm looking at a, a couple of walls behind you, and so so like life, like you're still kind of living your life, which means wait, I'm ahead. Yeah, I'm ahead here. I'm ahead here, right? Like you're actually like if you think about the conversation, it's like wait. We're actually complaining about picking what we want. Hello? Yeah, be careful with the wording of what you're trying to trying and I'm not and I'm I am not trying to diminish the depression that people go through when something is done because there is grief there, man. Like when you stop doing your thing, yes, it is like something dies or someone dies. It is a loss. And you want to honor that for sure. For sure. I remember <laughs> towards the end of my career, like getting off the plane and it's like, you know, winning a Pan Am gold medal and then getting off the plane and people are at the airport. Yay, Jason. And then Monday it's like, oh, you need to drop Grayson off at daycare and then it's like, okay. You know, like it doesn't, but, but that's the beauty of it. Like, like it, it, no one really cares, but you, no one actually gives a shit. I, yeah, it's humbling, but it's agree. There's freedom in that. And so as an athlete, the thing that's funny is it's just like in the movie in the movie business like you're a hired gun right you're paid to perform and and the people if you notice the people who do well I'm using Hollywood as an example but music too the people who do well they actually start getting behind the camera right they start producing they start mentoring they start become right they build the they they become they're not just doing the business. They become part of the business, right? They become a producer. Um, and I mean, and so, so that analogy works in life as well, right? Don't get me wrong. Not that you didn't produce as a racer or an athlete, but if you can kind of extract yourself out of that and then, you know, maybe you do go into coaching. Maybe you do start your own team. Maybe you do, 
or maybe you get outside of it. Maybe you become a lawyer, but you start producing <laughs> is the point, right? You start kind of accepting a check and being the court jester to actually like being the person who's like hiring the court jester or creating the venue for the court jester to perform or negotiating the contracts for the court jester. There's a big difference there. Right. And, and if you can make that transition, mm. and by the way, that's growth, right? That's just growth. Like that's, I would say that's probably the natural trajectory of any human in life, right? Like you're kind of, you know, you get your first job, you're paid to perform. You're at the cash register. <laughs> you have to put a smile on your face and you have to just take the order. Da, 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 da. Right. And then as you matriculate up, you be, you get to see what's under the hood more and more and more. And then until you're, and then you eventually are like, oh, running the McDonald's and maybe you buy one yourself, right? That's, that's if you want it, right? If you want it, that's, that's the trajectory. And so the thing with athletes is because in psychology, we learn this thing called lifespan development. And there's all these stages in life that people go through. But what I've noticed as an athlete is you go through those stages in like, you know, if you're, well, you 14 years, me, it was 15 years, but some people it's three, some people it's two, some people it's 20. So, but you go through all those stages, right? And there's this one stage in particular that I like, and it's called generativity versus stagnation, right? So you, you get to a certain stage in your life and it's like, well, do I, am I stuck or do I have more to give, right? And then there's another one after that called resentment versus um, appreciation versus a resentment, something like that. But my point is like you go through all those stages. And so if you if you can feel this on the generativity side, interesting word, that means like, OK, I have more to give. But it doesn't mean like it doesn't not mean give of yourself. I think it means Give for four others, not two others, but four others, right? Becoming a producer, making it mean something, recognizing that there's certain parts of your past that will no longer be, right? Kind of midlife crisis-y, but we go through that soon. Yeah. And then, and then when you, and yeah, and it's the same thing. Like when you retire, same thing. I used to, I used to do these groups. On the, on the clinical side for, for people who are like literally trying to transition out of retirement. And I'm young at the time, like, I'm, you know, compared to a 65 year old or seven year old. And they would hit me up with like, you know, even the people, even before I got the gig, like, well, what do you, you know, you're young. What do you, what do you know about retirement? It's like, what do I know about retirement? Oh, I can tell you, I can look straight down the barrel and tell you what death looks like, you know? Because, because as an athlete, you know, there are no, the, you know, the check, the check's not coming in, right? No one knows who I am. There's a rebuilding of life. I'm going to wake up the next day, figuring out where I get, where I'm going to get my money or what I'm going to do for it. Right. I mean, I did that early on. I prepared for it, but, but that's retirement. I just happened to go through it at 34, not 64. And so, so it's these life transitions. Um, I also love helping people with that, with the life transitions, because again, if you can, if you can take, I don't want to say take that off your plate, but if you can be honest about it and you can work on it, right, it'll be less of a, 
less of a thing to fear or avoid as you're nearing the end, whenever the end is. Um, I don't know if I answered what you were talking about, but that was that was kind of where I went. No, it doesn't even matter. But then maybe. <clears throat> so how do we? How would you then, if we get a little bit more specific? Um, obviously, it's everyone's different, but like some processes or ideas to help someone transitioning, because it could be similar to someone transitioning, know that their current work is they hate it, they're done with it. Uh, they either have the financial means or not, but they need to transition in their career or this athlete. I think they're, you know, they can be similar. So how do we help them find the next step? What do you say? Is it, hey, make sure you have some patience with yourself. You're going to start at the bottom again. You're going to test a few things and see what resonates with you. If they don't have that next thing, you had psychology, you had, I'm going to help people. I have a passion. I have this thing about psychology and you went to school, you put the work in and then you, you know, you went up, you kind of had some sort of goal and path. So it was simpler, not easy, but simpler. Yeah. I'm just full transfer. I worked every angle I could like, of course, I'm going to be a sports psych. Of course, I'm going to plug myself back into BMX. Of course, I'm going to leverage the fact that I was a top level racer and use it to get into whatever company or, 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 or be on deck at the X Games or at the Olympics. Of course, I'm going to do that. Right. By the way, it, I think everyone should take advantage of their privilege, by the way. Like if you don't, that that's another thing you want to look at. But my point is um, when you when it, when to answer your question, sorry, not my point. Your point is, how do you help someone find that? So I like to go with, okay, and I, I'm big on behavioral change. I'm also big on personality, like who you are. So it's understanding who you are, okay? So what are your strengths? Like literally, what are your strengths? Not like I'm really good in rhythm sections and I'm I, I, my fitness is X. I mean, like like what are your strengths? Like are you, are you people-oriented? Are you future oriented? Are you um, are you um, um, charismatic? Do you do you problem solve? Like what? Like what do you like? If you were to test for it and assess for it, which is what I do, what? Yeah, right. And then and then personality wise, what are your personality traits? Are you are you are you agreeable? Are you kind of more or disagreeable? Are you resilient? Are you more reactive? Are you are you open to new try new different things? Are you more conservative? Like understanding those things, okay? And then we can take these assessments to go, okay, well, this is this is kind of a picture of how you roll. All right. Now let's overlay that with with how you've what you've been producing in the world thus far, even as an athlete. Oh. You did good with this this sponsor because they gave you the freedom to do this and this, or you did bad with this sponsor because they gave you the freedom to do this and this. You did good when you were doing clinics on the side because you're really, you know, you, you know, because your personality traits and because your strength makeup, or actually you you really liked locking yourself in a dungeon and training because that suited your personality strengths. Okay, so what out there mildly interests you? Mildly, right? <laughs> mildly interest you that you think might be kind of cool to make some money doing right we're talking career and you know maybe there's businessing maybe there's businessing maybe there's computer programming maybe you know there's all there's a multitude of things you can pick from the world is big right okay well cool so so if if you're if you tend to be um not outgoing what's the opposite of outgoing 
if you tend to be introverted, right? Yeah, if you tend to be introverted, know that. I mean, you're not going to avoid people forever, but know that if you find yourself, you can try. Right, but right. So, so, so know that the interview, know that the interview process might be difficult. Okay, Mm -hmm. but also know that. Okay, well, how can we use that to our benefit? Because if you're interviewed, okay, well, who do you know that's already working in that world? Who do you know that could possibly give you a, a specific referral? Who do you know? You know, like all those things to kind of like not necessarily do the interview. Okay. If you have the interview and you're interview introverted, then okay. Well then let's 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 get ready for that. Let's let's go up to the start hut and just, you know, boom, let's just get through the section. Okay. But the job in and of itself doesn't require you to possibly be in the public eye. Okay. You're not going to be delivering speeches and teaching a bunch of kids. Okay. Mm. Cause that's that's not going to suit your strengths because you'll be miserable in that. So trying to match up literally who they are with the multitude of possibilities out there and, and creating a nice match. Obviously there's going to be things within whatever you do that kind of stink. Like even as great as bike racing was, I'm sure there was plenty of times we were miserable because they didn't go our way or we were training or we were at a track that we just hated or maybe in a city we didn't like, whatever. There's all that part of that. Um, or you were rooming with somebody who was a pain or just annoying but but if you can match up you know your strengths and personality traits with again something that you mildly be interested in that might be cool to make some money at right not the best english there but and then work toward that then that's that's what we do because the thing is you when you start moving down a path and working toward it with a bit of intention okay as you start working toward it, you become you'll become clearer on not only what you want, but how you can provide value and where you fit in. Like even in this bike business, it was the same thing. Like I'm fast, <laughs> but we all know that you can be fast on Santa Cruz, but you might be faster on Specialized. And maybe it's not because of the bike; it might just be because of the vibe and it might just be because of the fit and their value system on the team and blah, blah, blah. Right. You, it just might be a better fit on this team versus the other. You're still fast. Right. Same thing in, in life, right. If the, the further you move down this thing, it's like, Oh, I actually fit in here. This is the, this is the, this is where I want to work and where I want to play. This is my new sandbox. You might get moving on this path, right. Based on what you know about yourself. And then as you move further, you, you meet some new people in that world. And it's like, actually, you know, like Mike Day is a great example. I mean, civil engineering, it's like, what? You know, and he kind of was like, yeah, I'm good at it. But it's really just difficult for me to sit in, in an office. inside an office yeah. all day, right? And also, I like having a bit of pressure on me. And I like, you know, I like getting that feeling of like having to go, you know, like, into a, into a certain intense situation. Yeah, when he said and that so, to me, I was like, shucks, I make that up. It does make sense. Yeah, and he also right. says he likes training now. He made it a And he likes he training. Likes to be and so, so those well. things, right? So all those things, right? So, so, so he went down this path, right? I like civil engineering. I think I might like to make money with that. Great. He does that. He moves towards that. He gets in there. And then it's like, oh, actually, yeah, the drawing part's kind of cool. But sitting around, 
And then the fact that I'm just, you know, looking at everyone outside and I'm, it's harder for me to stay in shape and I value that. And then he's like, and then, you know, he didn't extract himself from it, but it sounds like they kind of said, Hey, there's less work, but he's like, you know what, I'm going to make a change here and go for this. But he wouldn't have had, if he didn't start down that path, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have seen the opening to do the other thing. I asked earlier, I was like, you have to do a few things and like starting something, even if it's the wrong thing, like start something, test. And, and, and what I'm really hearing is you giving athletes some uh, belief as well as someone in transition or really struggling in their career or struggling after university is like, you have strength. You mm -hmm. just need to try identify them. You need to have help. Maybe someone has to help you with that belief. Um, of, of some of the strengths you have as an as an athlete or a former athlete and as maybe a businessman transitioning. So that's really key that I'm taking away is, you know, back yourself. There are a lot of strengths. You've just got to identify them and it might take some time. Yeah, or you can do an assessment with me and we can just, boom, knock that shit out. <laughs> well, there you go. That's how we do I'm it. Gonna, that's how we I think do. we should... It's like these are... I think I should do... I think we should have a part two and I should do one and then we can, we can help. But yeah, I'll be vulnerable. And another thing I wanted to ask is um, you, you speak about the feeling we might as athletes never get, or some people might get on their prom night. Uh, maybe they're forced to do a speech, but I'm not good at public speaking. Mm -hmm. Well, no one was good the first time, like you said. So you might not be your thing, but you can always get better. But I'm almost... And we're getting a lot of messages on the podcast, which is awesome. And I hope they reach out for this one because they're like, oh, well, you're inspiring us to ride more. And I've fallen in love with mountain biking again. And, and my goal is to grow the sport. But I have a growth mindset in case you haven't picked that up. Like, And I think an athlete has that driven into him. You've got to be reflective. You've got to improve on your weaknesses. And, and you can take that into life. That's a good thing. But what about people that didn't go down the athlete route? They don't have the butterflies. Maybe trying things that make them uncomfortable every now and then is a good thing. You can grow from it. And you might find something you're really good at as well on the side. Yeah. Um, so I talk about this when I, when I do my talks. It's like – and I use, I, use the, I use the analogy of um, losing weight. <laughs> so we could so so this so changing beliefs right there's there's so you want to it it starts we we all have beliefs and it's usually about self others and the world okay um and then i kind of put everything in this business sport life paradigm more better happier and so at the end of the day most people who are successful losing weight <laughs> I'm overgeneralizing here is they eat less and exercise more. <laughs> right. But, but the key to that is they're put they're they're playing with a limit, right? They're finding a limit and playing with the limit and they're going, Oh, and as an athlete, you're, you're, you're keenly aware of that because you're pushing the limit. Right. And so for someone who's not an athlete or necessarily doesn't, doesn't even look for butterflies or want them. I respect that. I honor that. I will say, if you want to make a change, whatever that change will be, is find an area in your life where you can push your limit or at least stress that limit. Another technical difficulty. That's the 
beauty of it, but you were talking about changing your beliefs and, and working with people with your three belief systems. Yeah, so basically, it's not mine. I mean, but usually we carry beliefs about self, others, and the world, right? Self, I am great, or I am, I am whatever, um, not good enough. Um, others, they are out to get me, or they want to see me win. World, this sucks. <laughs> or, you know, so we have these global beliefs, we have self-beliefs, and we have beliefs about others. Um, and we can push to change those. But one of those beliefs, um, and I use the example of weight loss, is generally speaking, people who, who uh, end up being relatively successful at that is they eat less and exercise more. Pretty simple. Um, and I'm overgeneralizing. I know there's genetics and I know there's you could have hyper and hypothyroidism, all that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish people's struggles. Um, that said, eat le eat eating less and exercising more is what? It's changing or playing with your limits. It's extending them or increasing them or constraining them. And so if you want to make a change and you're, you're not necessarily high-level athlete, you don't like the butterflies in your stomach, you're not looking for them, but you do want to make a change, I would suggest you find an area in your life where you can push and play with those limits. Um, and maybe, maybe it is waking up 10 minutes earlier each week to get to the point to where you can go jog or go for a bike ride. If that's kind of a change you want to make, if it's a career thing, it's like, all right, well, maybe it is saying, all right, instead of, instead of these five shows that I like to watch on Netflix and Hulu, I'm going to watch three and then use that other time to investigate or research this new project I want to work on. Right. It's, it's playing with those limits. And by the way, I'm not saying like quit, whatever it is you're doing. I'm not saying quit your job and jump in and then and take all your life savings and put it into something. I'm saying, hey, let's learn to live with this thing for a while. Let's test drive it a little bit and then increase increase the increase the range as we get going. Yeah, I mean that that's brilliant. Um I think everyone, if they aspire to being better, different, losing weight, I, I think those incremental but making a change, making changes. a change, yeah, making a change, making a change. You know what? This has bothered me for a while and it's been on New Year's resolution for five years now. But, you know, habits take a take a long time. And, and I like how you say, don't decrease no Netflix. Take one show off. Take five minutes and read a book about the thing you like or, you know, go go speak to a friend that has more knowledge and you find a mentor. Uh, all those things. But yeah, making a change isn't easy. It really isn't easy. We all get stuck in habits. You even said that you've struggled with some of your old habits. Oh my gosh, well. still, man, still. I still, I'm, st I'm still, the, I'm still the 12 year old kid who, you know, lost the eighth grade election for, pre you know, class president. Like I, there's like that, that's part of me too. Right. I own that. I'm aware of it. <laughs> but there's still like that kid that's like, hey, you know, you have the devil on your shoulder. You have the angel on your shoulder. And every now and then you got to kind of like punch the devil on your shoulder in the face. You know, and because we, we all have that 
negative self-talk. It's called automatic negative thoughts, ants. We all have it. It's why we're alive. It's why you don't walk into the middle of the, it's why you look both ways before you walk into the street. It's because you want to live, right? It's just in the modern world, right? Survival, survival has become different. We don't necessarily need to look over our shoulder for like something jumping out of the bushes and eating us, but we do look over our shoulders metaphorically for that thing that will hurt us, you know, emotionally or psychologically, right? And what the, and, and what that is, is possibility of losing, possibility of being embarrassed, possibility of not being liked, possibility, see what I'm saying? And so well, those are- fear, the, isn't it? Yes, the, the, and that's where those negative- Correct. There's not correct. A lot of, we live in a crazy good time, right? Most people. I, I don't want to sound uh, insensitive. I mean, there's some incredibly horrible things going on in the world. But as a whole, you could argue that's one of, okay, ignore COVID, not to be insensitive to that. But say prior to that, we live in one of the best eras ever to live, right? Like you say, from a survival stance, if you have a roof over your head and you have food and you have a job. Okay, now what are we fearful of? Like, what do we have to worry about? Well, we're almost creating worry, like you say. Now let's look over our shoulder and what am I actually fearful of? That's that's interesting. I know we're getting philosophical, but you're a psychologist and you must deal with these new types of survival tactics we create and these bad habits of always looking for the negative. And, and it's it's in our nature. So maybe we need to accept that we're going to have these negative thoughts. It's hardwiring, like goes back to yeah. I mean, it's it's literally how we've evolved. I'm not sure if it's a f- feature anymore, as much as it is kind of a bug nowadays. <laughs> but but I mean, but it's 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 fair and and be based on our strengths and based on our personalities. Some of those things are are not as. Um, some of those things affect us more adversely than others. Some of those fears are, are how we react to them, right? And that's why it's really important you understand you. And that's why it's really important you understand you and you you, you have a system to where you can kind of like look at your life and say, all right, this is where I am. Do I like it? Yes or no? Am I good with it? Yes or no? That's hard, doctor. Doctor, that's hard looking at <laughs> it, your life. It, it is. It is, isn't it? I'm butting it on purpose for effect. It's like... That's the hard part is stopping and looking and go, fuck, you know what? That's a shit problem. The most of the problem, I should say most, many of the problems I see politically, socially, is we're looking at someone else's life. Mm, Okay. They don't have, they did. They, 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 they. Mm. Right. And so play play victim or what? Hey, I don't know if they're playing it, but they're, they've, you know, they've gotten there. And I'm not saying that there's, there's, of course, there's bad people and bad things happen, but it still doesn't change the fact that you're here. Like you are here. <laughs> so what are you going to do with that? Right? Like, I, I, because um, I talk about things that take away our energy and it's like worrying, complaining, complicating, those things, those things zap our energy versus what you said, gratitude, right? Focusing simplify of course the world is complex of course you you go to a racetrack and yeah the officiating sucks and the per that turn marshal is a fan of greg menard or joe law will or whomever so if he does something illegal in that turn he might look the other way i get it but you also signed up for the race and you chose to fly here and you chose to ride a bike for a living 
So guess what? Deal with that, right? Like, yeah, what can you control? <laughs> right, exactly. So we're coming back to like, you look at yourself in the mirror. Are you, I mean, you can, you can control, people will be like, I can't control worrying. Well, you can minimize it. You can choose to try focus on something else, right? So those are controllables. Mm -hmm. So, well, here's what we do. So, so here's what we do. Cause I, I work with people and I'm saying clinical anxiety. Let's go down the wormhole. What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about this. Okay. Well, what would, what would you do if this happened? Well, I'd probably do this and this. Okay. Well, what would you, if that happened? Well, I'd probably do this and this. What would you do if that happened? And we just go down there and literally write it out. Like write it out. That's worst case scenario. Tim Ferriss preaches that a bit. Worst. Can you accept will, that? Will you die? Probably not. Okay. I know it sounds absurd, but the thing is, like I said in the beginning, the brain likes clear messaging. And what that worry is, is muddling up the messaging. It's your signals literally getting crossed. Okay? The reason why you're worried is because you care. How about that? The reason why you're worried is because this is important to you. Great. Okay? I'm not trying to erase your worry. <laughs> I'm saying... How can we use that energy to work for you? And then also, let's actually, if we're going to worry about something, let's worry about things that are worth worrying about, not just, you know, kind of like, oh, I got a hangnail. Now I'm going to get an amputation. No, that's probably not going to happen. Right? Have you ridden with a hangnail before? Yes. Have you ridden sick before? Yes. How'd you do? Well, sometimes I've done good and sometimes I've done bad. Okay. So why is this any different? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so can we, can, we, can we worry about that later? Yes. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, it, it sounds absurd, but if you can learn to talk to your way, talk yourself this way a bit, it's, it really helps because you're, we, we can't change the fact that there are cheaters and bad people in the world. Right. But those, but those things we worry about and those bad people we worry about and the, un, and, the and the unfairness that stuff, like if you're looking at a bell curve, that stuff's on the fringes, generally speaking. Like we're within the bell, man. Like it's 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 mostly okay, right? So, given the fact that everyone's going for it more or less, why not why not just create a little bit more of a specific plan mentally to actually move in the direction you want to go. Um, something I wanted to ask about earlier, and, and maybe it's, I think it's coming up again because you're talking about people with worry or anxiety, or maybe that's nerves, nerves for anything, nerves for that prom, nerves for your first job interview. What about if you normalize that with the practice of realizing everyone else in the world will be feeling nervous? Everyone else, great, yeah. not looks cool as a cucumber. He is nervous. Yes. Even at that world champs that he just won. It doesn't yes. matter that he's been there a million times. Those nerves, if you ex learn to accept them, and I wish I'd done more of that in my past. Hey, I'm up at the top. Geez, I'm nervous. I might blow this. Well, Greg's probably thinking the same thing, and then he goes back to his process. He goes back to what he can control. Okay, I can control my warm-up. I can control how I put my goggles on, my rituals, and I can control maybe the first turn. It's a practice he does. Visualizes himself in the first turn. 
super simplified and it can go into business or the speech. You want to have give a good speech, write it out. You want to deliver it very well without the piece of paper? Well, guess what? You're going to have to practice it out loud in a, in a room. And if you want to get better, you might have to practice it in front of you, someone you're comfortable with. It fucking sucks. It sucks. It's uncomfortable. But that's how you get better is, is I think accepting that everyone is nervous. Maybe everyone has these worrying thoughts. Maybe it normalizes so you don't feel like an outsider. Not an outsider is not the right word, but that something's wrong with you. Like yep. nothing's wrong with you. That's you said something huge, which is normalizing, and that's one of one of my little isms is normalize to neutralize. Right? It is um you know, I had the I had the benefit of um going on a ski trip <laughs> for a few years through my wife's company. And uh we flew private big deal and then we got there and we get to the hotel and the guy basically owns the hotel and and then we get the tickets to go skiing because that's all part of it everything you know and then they got ski instructors for everyone because not everyone could ski or snowboard and then (laughs) the guy the controller pulls out an envelope with money and gives it to everyone to tip the instructors. And all of that is a big deal for me, right? Because I haven't, I haven't seen this. Like, um, so, and we're, this is like a lot of wealth, right? But what struck me was how normal it was for them, right? And by the way, taking judgment away, like not judging like good or wasteful or any, any that like, you know, virtuous whatever i'm not trying to you know i'm not i'm just saying like wait this is normal for them and if it's normal for them it's not a big deal and if it's not a big deal it's probably easier for them to live this way and do these things holy shit ding 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 right like normalize to neutralize like the truth is someone's gonna win that race that's just, that's just, and I'm not saying these people don't get nervous when they have a big deal or they're trying to execute some kind of complicated business transaction. I'm not saying that. But um, but my point was it was normal for them. And because it was normal for them, it ceased to be this big daunting thing, right? It was just part of part of their life. And when I say part of their life, I mean part of their life. Like it wasn't all their life. I had conversations with these people. I was with them for a good four days having dinners, like you wouldn't know. I mean, that all of this, like if, like if you were just an outsider watching all of us have dinner, you would think they were, you know, no different than anyone else at the restaurant. Like just, you know, just, just people having dinner together. So normalizing the neutralizing is huge. And I think a lot of us humans, right. We, 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 because something's important to us or because it means a lot, we, we put it, we make it Mount Everest. Mm. Yeah, we we make it, it Mount still. Everest. Yeah. And, and, and it is important. And it does mean something, but we make it bigger than it needs to be. Right? Because the truth is, as you know, when you start pedaling or climbing, you know, if, if you're mad because of how hard it is or how steep it is or how high you have to go and, and you can get out of your kind of 
you can get out of your zone and you're all you find it's miserable. But if you just understand, like, as long as you keep moving forward, even if you have to get off and walk, if you can just keep moving forward and wait, like you'll be okay. Right. And, 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 and I'm not, and I know some people are fitter than others. Good for them. Like, <laughs> but the truth is like, if you keep stepping forward, pedaling forward, you will get there. Right. The question is, can you be okay with when? Right. And so that's, and, and by the way, and, and every time you move forward, you're getting stronger, you're getting in better shape. Right. So it's really like going back to your path. No, that's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. And um, to keep it on, you know, the, the sport yeah. topic, but there are a lot of listeners that ride as a hobby. There might be some aspiring athletes. And I hope some of you guys reach out. Please reach out to me. Reach out to the doctor. I'd like to know what the listener base, where they come from. And maybe we're going to have to do part two, part three, if you're comfortable with it. Uh, I, I'm like wanting to go on like a million rabbit holes and haven't touched the notes. I think we looked at one yes. or two of those questions. Let's go through the list. Let's be, let's be responsible. We'll go through the some we of the can, notes. We can, but... Yeah. I do well here and I've got this written down and I think it's what uh, business people, what uh, a family man, what someone that's not an athlete, what can they take away? Cause they often watch sport and they're like, wow, these guys are so inspirational. Two things. Nine out of 10 of those people are so normal when you sit down and have a, have a dinner with them, a drink, like the guy that you met on the ski thing. It's normalized. Everyone's normal people. They're just stuck to one thing. Maybe they had some talent, probably just worked their asses off. Okay, so what can we learn from these athletes, these Olympians, these these people that that sometimes on such a pedestal you just can't fathom how they got there? What like what can we in everyday life say, cool, I can take that trait from them. That's what they're good at. And if you put a little sprinkle of that in your life, it might be you might do even better. I think I would reverse that. And I would say, where, where, where do I shine? Where do I shine? Where, where do I sparkle? Where do I light up? Because, because that, there's a reason why your spouse married you. <laughs> there's a reason why your friends don't mind hanging out with you. There's a reason why you did get hired, most likely, right? Um, and, and, and that, those are the things I would want people to double down on. And if there's something, if there is a dream or a something else, then pursue it, like go, that, like, you know, the, again, I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow, although if you want, that's on you, but, and I wouldn't hate on you for that, but, but, but go for it, pursue it, like put, move forward in the direction you think you want to go because you know deep down there's probably something you can start doing that would improve your life and deep down you know there's probably something you can stop doing <laughs> that would improve your life right and 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 like let's make a decision to do those things and by the way kind of I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You don't have to beat yourself up over not being the Olympian. 
Like you don't you don't have to beat yourself up over over not losing the the last ten pounds. Like no one says you have to be any kind of certain way. Like it it really is all like you choose. And I know that's it sounds pretty radical, and a lot of people will tell you you know based on your race or your this or your that you're limited whatever. Um, I, I, I know it's harder for others than it is. I do that. I know that, but it still doesn't change the fact that you have a choice to make whatever situation you're in just a bit better. Right. You don't, you have a choice to stop doing things that don't serve you that stop doing things that don't serve you. And so I think, and you also have the choice to just let go of certain things, right? Like for me, I'm a car person. I like cars. I think they're cool and all that other stuff. And then, but my favorite car I've ever owned is my van, <laughs> you know? So, and, 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 and people look at me and go, oh my gosh, I didn't, I'd ne- I wouldn't expect you to drive that because they, right. But if I was living for them, right. And I had to have another nine eleven or a whatever or whatever to kind of live their expectation for me right now i'm now i'm out of congruence now i'm not within my kind of value set not that i mean and who cares it's just a van like i'll probably get rid of that and get something else like it just doesn't matter it's not important to me right now but my point is you for the for everyone it's like if there's something you see that you want or a way you want to be that you're not the best thing you can do is start moving toward that. The other thing you can do is if you have trouble with that, like hire the help or ask for the help. Even if you can't hire it, like there is a mentor, there is somebody there, there is a coach, there is a therapist that can like really time travel you (laughs) through this stuff. Right. And I mean, time travel. No, amen. And I think you have answered it by saying, I'm going to reverse it. But you have answered it because an athlete goes after what he wants or thinks he wants. And he just puts one foot in front of the other, whether he's going to win or lose. And he keeps doing it. And you've said, if you find something, do it. Make yourself a little bit better. So I think you have answered it. And that is a trait that athletes have, even though you went another tangent. I think it's I think it's brilliant. And and hiring people, that's another thing athletes do. Or they hire coaches. And then they say, okay, my mental... I like the word mental fitness. They work on their mental fitness, whether you use it or not. Like, I like that because it's not got a negative connotation or mental health. Mental yeah, health. I don't I don't okay, like well, mental, mental toughness. I do like mental fitness. Mental I do fitness. Like, mental like yeah. That can always be better. We might not achieve what Greg Minow somehow has achieved. Or he's maybe got a chemical... I believe he's got a bit of... I've heard it somewhere, and I don't have the science behind it. But I heard that you could potentially perform better under pressure and then other people's if they go a little bit too much pressure something in the brain chemically someone like me i think needs a certain level of pressure but then i've got to manage that you're right you're right so gas clutch and brake gas clutch and brake so so some people need more gas some people need brake some people need to learn how to feather their clutch right you it's all about you learning how to drive you yes (laughs) Yeah. yeah And that's a good thing that athletes learn to do. How do they perform optimally? And, and and you can do that with your family life. You can do that. And I'm preaching. I'm learning family life. I'm 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 learning, uh, you know, how to not 
just focus on what I want. There's, there's other people around and, and you get forced into that as an athlete. And uh, I hire people or if it's a life coach or a psychologist or you want your fitness better and you have a little bit of the money, hire a coach. Get a program for a bit if it's important to you. Like you say, expedite it. There's so much knowledge you can just expedite things. Yeah. And athletes do that. Yeah. I see people wasting time on things they don't really even want oh amen i mean that's have you heard of the book and the concept essentialism yes and, and heard of the concept concept and there's and and it's a newer word but uh ryan holiday also preaches and you know what's essential that you do like what are you wasting time on that you think it's driving you forward but it's not like what's essential to your career what's essential to your health and then get rid of the rest if it doesn't make you happier you know but it, it's hard work to go and identify those things what makes me tick what are my downfalls what are my positives that's 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 tough hey yeah yeah i so a couple things um so my cousin, he said this ages ago, and I, I it always hit me, but um, and my family's they're pretty well educated. When I say they're well educated and all successful in their own right, from a work standpoint, career standpoint. But one of my cousins, you know, I don't know where he works exactly, but he's had many opportunities to using quotes, move up within his company. He's like, nope. <laughs> And I love that he likes where he is because where he is, is like he found his sweet spot. He's good with money. He's good with family. He does what he wants to do. He enjoys his work. Like there's no like necessary want for anything. I mean, he, he you know, he does, he lives his life the way he, like it's, it's, he's good with where he is. And I mean, when I say that, like good in his heart, like, you know, um, not that he wouldn't mind winning the lottery or something stupid like that, but it's not like he's pining and, and wasting away wanting something that's not. And I respect that so much because a lot of us humans waste time wanting or thinking we need to be something or have something when in actual. But if you really were pressed for it, it's like, have you ever really stopped to ask yourself why you're not shooting for that? Because the other piece to that is maybe it isn't as important to you as you think. And that's fine. Like if you could let that go, it might free you up to do something that maybe you're meant to do or that you really want to do that you've been putting off. Right. So there's this side of like, yeah, there's fear of failure or there's fear of this. or But there's also this side where it's like, well, maybe maybe it's just not as important as you thought it was. Maybe this is just kind of like a habit of wanting it because that's what you think is expected or blah, blah, blah. Like there's that. And then the final thing is, you know, there's a bee, right? And the bee's job is to go out and, you know, get the nectar or whatever it is they get from the flower and bring it back to the hive and blah, blah, blah. That's the bee's job. But the bee's purpose is to, is much larger than the job, right? But if the bee doesn't go out and do the job, the purpose is never recognized. See what I'm saying? And so when you are a person in transition or when you set out to do a thing, right? Just by the mere fact that you're setting out to do that thing, I fully trust and believe that when you start moving forward toward that thing that you end up finding 
or getting closer to your purpose. Oh, I love that. I, I, I really like that. And it's, that it's, it's got so much action steps in it. This has been fascinating. I think we could go on another four hours. Well, no, I could. But I want to be respectful of your time. And maybe we can, you mentioned a note. Maybe you got it from what I asked Mike. But some advice to your younger self. That was one of the notes we made. Uh, and we've probably touched on a lot of it. I was thinking you've probably touched on a lot of it in the last uh, two two points there. But is that something you can elaborate on and then we'll put a bow in this? Yeah, so the one is very practical. Um, and it, I know we got a little philosophical, but this is about money, which is understanding the power of compounding interest and using that to your advantage. Like if you are young and someone is paying you any amount of money, any amount of money, put put it away. Not all of it, but 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 whatever that is, the ten or fifteen percent away, like put it away into some kind of retirement thing for you. Trust me, if you're twenty and you can manage to put that ten percent away throughout to to when you're my age, you will look at that and be like, okay, I'm a smart person. Okay, that's one. So, so any amount of money, um, that's one. The other thing is, um, if you, where do I want to go with this? It's not about patience, but you don't, I want you to be patient. I do, but you don't have to wait. (laughs) Hear me out. So what I've noticed, what I've noticed with a, no, what I've noticed with a lot of athletes is, um, and I know the game's changed and, and, and everyone's faster and better and training, but I've noticed in BMX and a bit in mountain bike is like, there's this sense that because they're young or they're just a junior or they're just this, that they, they can't yet make that final or they're not quite ready or worthy to to, to get on the podium or get the win because of like where they are in their training, in their career. And I understand that, but I also tell, I also say this as a person who did win the world championships and made both finals the first time I raced as a pro. Like if I believe that I definitely wouldn't have gotten in those finals and I definitely wouldn't have run pro cruiser. Like, there'd be no rainbow stripes in my closet right now, right? From that race. So even though the numbers say something, even though the data say something, and even like you have to leave room for yourself to win in ways that you didn't think possible. Like, please do that for yourself. Obviously you're experienced. You've been around the block a few times. You know probably how it will go. But man, every now and then you want to, there's, there's ways to win that you didn't think about. And I'm just saying, be open to that because, (laughs) because that can change your, your career trajectory in ways you wouldn't even imagine. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And I think there potentially is a mental blockage for a lot. And and we're seeing it a lot lately with the youngsters that are coming on racing BMX. I follow a lot of golf. Jesus, guy's ready to win straight out of college. And it's like, that's some sort of belief. He's seen a younger guy 
than normal win before him. And then it's like, okay, well, I've got the game. And 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 it's awesome that more people are doing it. And I love that because I probably had that mental block as well. Oh, I only got to the World Cups when I was an elite and there were all these juniors that were there before me. And every now and then I'd qualify well, but I just didn't, I just had a blockage that it was going to take more time. So I, I love that. And your first point is something I want, I, I didn't know I would talk to you about it, but I love it because I really think if you're smart with money and it's this taboo topic and mental health used to be this taboo topic, but people are talking about it more. And I think it should be spoken about, especially in sports, because I think it'll take a lot of pressure off the transition. So you're worried about making money, but if you were smarter and got someone to help you with it, educated yourself, read a few books, there's a lot of great resources out there. There's a lot of bullshit. And what I will say is don't just believe someone because he tells you he's a financial planner. He will eat up all your profits. And I could go on a big tangent, but if you were able to just save a bit more and understand a bit of compound interest or low fee investing, and it, it feels like we're talking above your head when you're a young athlete, but take your time, learn a little bit. And if you put away that transition, you're going to buy yourself so much time to find the thing that you might be better at or to go give yourself some time and try a few things. You know, Mike Dape, I don't know his personal situation, but maybe he's got the time now to go, okay, I can put myself through fire school and medic and I can pay for that because I wasn't stupid with my money because it comes in fast and people like to spend it. I mean, the stat of NFL players, I mean, you're in America, so you would know it. I mean, it's horrendous because yeah, they and it's, and it's kind of, and it's kind come, of, but it's a, but it's a belief system. It's a psych, psych money has a, you have a belief system from how you were brought up. And if you came from nothing, you feel like it's going to go quickly and you, you don't realize, like, you need to hang on to a bit and put a little bit away for a rainy day. Hey, buy the nice car if that thing tickles your fancy. But then also put the same amount of money away in an investment. Yeah. Yeah, if you can essentially pay yourself first. But, yeah, the, it's – the NFL is um, – yeah, I think it's the average career is less than three years. Um, and part of that's by design, too, because – I think after three years and three games, then that, then you you're kind of owed, then you you're kind of owed a pension. So three years and three games, then you you like hit a certain marker where you where you qualify for certain benefits. Um, not to mention it's crazy competitive. Um, but you know, as a psychologist, I can tell you a, a way into someone's kind of where they are headspace wise, value systems wise, is food and money. Food and money, those two things. Um, and, and if you can, and honestly, if you can get comfortable talking about money, because it is taboo, right? That's kind of pushing a boundary for people. But if you can get comfortable talking about it, normalizing it, um, yeah, it won't be something you're scared of, right? And if, and, and if you're not scared of it, you won't avoid it, right? But we're scared of it, we avoid it, and then we complain we don't make enough. <laughs> so it's like, well, right? So it's, it's a it's an interesting kind of paradox there, but yeah, athletes, young athletes can you have such an opportunity, um, like I said, any amount, you know, just fifteen percent of every dollar, just lock it away. You won't miss it. You won't miss it. No, you won't. You won't. 
And if it's more and you're comfortable, we're not saying don't live your life, but the problem with an athlete is you often spend like it's going to be there forever. Spend like the lawyer that's going to have a 40-year career, but we all do. I know I know lawyers that do that. The thing is, you can be a lawyer for 30 or 40 or 50 years. <laughs> that's the difference. Well, yes, that's what I'm saying. So athletes spend like, okay, they're going to have a 30-year career and then they're going to buy a few nice big houses and cars, like the NFL thing. And it's like, well, if the average career is only three years, you, I mean, the, the, the percentage of them broke a few years after that career is really saddening to me. And I think it brings on stress. I think it can bring on depression, can bring on all sorts. Um, so, yeah, I think we both are preaching a bit to just try and normalize it have a few we are preaching we care about well i mean straight up i mean i i care about these kids yeah i mean i do like those kids are me right like those kids are you we we were that kid right yeah. we went from being that kid at the trails and to uh, looking in the magazines to you know we got to live the life it's like and we see them in that position i care like i want you to maximize the heck out of this thing and and not only that, but once it's done, like, like just be, be such a badass after the fact, right? Be like, yeah, you, you raced down a hill at whatever speed and did all that around the world. It's like, dude, take that into whatever you do. Oh my gosh, man. Like unstoppable to me. No, no, I, I hear you. It gets your foot in the door and then you got to yeah. use those skill sets. But man, this has been Awesome for me. Thanks so much. Thanks to the listener. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Technical difficulties, but we are not going to jump off before you tell the listeners where can they find you. I have looked at your site. It's awesome. It's so professional. You've obviously put that work ethic into your career afterwards, and it's showing. So where do they find you? How do they reach out? You know, carry on with that. Yep. So I guess the simplest way is Instagram, and my handle is at real dr j rich that's at r-e-a-l-d-r-j-r-i-c-h um you can private message me i will get back to you and then my website is drjasonrichardson.com that's drjasonrichardson.com and uh yeah so i work with individuals i work with teams and i and i love to speak in front of a crowd all things performance life more better happier i i love that yeah thanks thanks so much i will do my best to put those in the show notes as well otherwise shoot me a dm if if you uh couldn't spell that i'll i'll put you guys in touch and i definitely appreciate all the listeners out there they've been sending some awesome messages messages i hope this one really inspires you and i think it's a tangent i'll go off with on the podcast is hey we all want to be better we all want to perform better, but be better humans. And we're humans first, right? So, um, yeah, let me know if you like this style and maybe if we get the doctor back. If you guys ask enough, I think I could pry him away from the many things that I know he's up to. So thanks so well, much. I love the time. mountain bike world and the bike world. So it, it's it's really fun for me. And the best thing about bikes is riding them. So, um, And then after that, geeking out on all the stuff around it. So I'm a, I'm a bike nerd undercover oh, awesome man thanks so much thank you and one last thing before you guys go if you enjoyed the episode please share it with a friend make sure you subscribe 
Leave us hopefully a five-star rating and review. I read all those reviews. It's awesome getting them. If you got any feedback, you want to send me a message, I get all those messages. I try to respond to them all. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun journey so far. So until the next one, stay well.